0: Today is Monday, April 3rd, and this is another episode of Town. It's been a minute. Uh, been super busy with some personal stuff. Um, but the Celtics, uh, they've been kind of riding a roller coaster um, for much of their schedule since the All-Star break. In um, that time, they named Joe Mazzula, the head coach, which everyone knows about. Um, some interesting comments from Jalen Brown and his future in Boston. Steve and I talked about that. Um we talked about Boston, running Milwaukee out of the gym uh, the other night, and sort of where they stack up for the playoffs. And uh, we did a little bit of a preview of the playoffs and some certain matchups, uh, if you know if you want to call it that. Uh, so yeah, we got into all that and more next on Titletown. <laughs> Title Town, we're trying this again. Uh, I'm out with you. Steve Bradley is with me. Steve, we're going to, uh, we're crossing our fingers for a positive internet connection this time. Um, And Mm -hmm. the Celtics are getting ready to prepare for the playoffs, where in all likelihood, they'll be the number two seed. We'll get into that. Um, We'll get into some bigger picture items, um, more so concerning Jalen Brown and what his future in Boston will be. Um, But before we start, Steve, how's everything going?
1: Oh, pretty good, pretty good. It's it's got to be better than yesterday when uh, you know we had had another internet fail. So you know I'm I'm optimistic here, and uh, you know, I'm optimistic for the end of the season as it's rolling down, and you know optimistic for the Bruins winning a Stanley Cup. So you know that would be uh, I love I love thinking there there'll be two two titles this year uh, from from the Garden.
0: Yeah, it's possible. The Bruins have been. I mean, they've been on fire all year. That's a team that started off hot and they never came, uh, never really came back down to earth. No, wow. it's been,
1: it's, it, it's been a, uh, you know, a season that nobody, not even the most ardent follower um, could have, could have predicted this, but you know, they're on a record setting pace on, you know, three or four different levels and uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a good run. It's been a good run too.
0: Right. Right. And, Sometimes though, with teams like that, it's interesting in in sports that teams like that will have these these great regular seasons. And then when the playoffs come, it's sort of like they just flop. So, you know, fingers crossed for the Bruins that uh, you know, that's well, so game.
1: much for my good day, Matt. So much for my good day. <laughs> <laughs> just piss on my parade there. <laughs> hey,
0: hey, your your Red Sox are off to a good start. So you know, hey, hey, all is good in Boston for you guys right now. Um, sort of. It, yeah, and so the Celtics winners of, I believe it's two in a row, and they uh, they won I believe eight of their last ten, and that comes after the you know the losing streak that or the when they lost three in a row, and everyone declared the season to be over. They did have the loss in Washington uh, that we will obviously everyone will try to forget, um, and we'll get to the game in Milwaukee the other night. Uh, we can talk about the Utah one, but I think. Most people are still fixating on what was a 40-point dominating win for the Celtics in Milwaukee. Um, But first, I figured we start with some bigger picture items, and that is Jalen Brown. And if you haven't heard by now or seen the comments, uh, Jalen Brown did two interviews. One was in January, and I believe the other one was in February. Uh, One for the Daily News, and then the other for the Ringer. And just basically asking if he's ever experienced – Um, you know, any sort of, you know, hurdles or barriers that he's had to face in Boston, if he's ever dealt with any racism in Boston as a black athlete. And, you know, he had some interesting answers. He said that they're acknowledging there is a toxic side of the fan base, uh, which I think every fan base is like that. But, you know, Steve, for as long as, you know, you and I will be alive, Boston's always going to have that stain of being one of the more racist cities in you know, in the country, unfortunately, Um, you know, he mentioned, you know, he's had troubles starting his own business as he is a business owner um, and then obviously um, being a homeowner. So he went in, you know, to some detail on that. But then when he was asked about um, if he was going to stay in Boston or what his future looked like is playing, staying with the organization, he said, quote, I don't know, as long as I'm needed, it's not up to me. Uh, We'll see how they feel about me over time. And I feel about them over time. Hopefully, whatever it is, it makes sense. But I'll stay where I'm wanted. I'll stay where I'm needed and treated correctly. Um, I don't exactly know, you know, what that, you know, what that means. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with stuff that's behind the scenes. uh, More in particularly, the Kevin Durant trade rumors this summer, which another quote that he had about the trade rumors this past summer quote, Katie and JT are friends. They were working out together and whatnot. So I wasn't sure what the energy was. I wasn't sure what the direction of the organization was. So Jalen also alluded to a conversation that he had on the phone with himself, Brad Stevens and Jason Tatum, and just wanted to reassure that everybody was on the same page. But he said that he did leave there and leave that phone call with, you know, an uneasy feeling. Uh, you know, it, it kind of raises some eyebrows. I don't think that's exactly what people wanted to hear if, you know, if you're a Celtic fan. At the same time, though, I feel like Jalen Brown was put in a difficult position because how many years ago was it that, you know, in front of season ticket holders, we had Kyrie Irving sit down and tell people that, you know, he was going to resign and, you know, he made all these promises that he obviously didn't keep. Um, and so, you know, Jalen says those things and tries to, you know, appeal the fans and stuff doesn't work out, then, you know, he's left kind of with the, you know, in the same light that Kyrie is left in. And I think as a fan, I would rather have, you know, a star player on my team, be honest about his situation and about what he's thinking, um, than straight up just lie and give me something that I want to hear before eventually leaving. So I think as of right now, It's a coin flip for Jalen Brown and his future in Boston. I wouldn't be shocked if he stayed, and I wouldn't be shocked if he left. Uh, I don't know how much of this is he wants to be the guy on a championship team. Uh, Can he be that guy? I don't know. Uh, That's something that very few players are built for. Uh, That's in no way me trying to take anything away from Jalen Brown or say that he's not a good player because Jalen Brown's a great basketball player, and I think this season he's been one of the 15 best players in the league. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't think Jalen Brown even knows what he wants. And I think the Celtic organization has to take, you know, a look into what he's thinking, what they're thinking and, and kind of go from there. Uh, what's kind of your feel on, you know, the whole situation or your thoughts on, you know, some of the comments he made?
1: Well, the comment is, uh, the comment you read Is is a pretty full shopping cart of 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 confusion, and I think it starts with the word with with the times that he uses the word needed, or 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 some some form of of need. And you know he will always be needed by the Celtics. uh, You know unless he keeps playing until he's 42, and then he might be, you know he might be a you know second, third, fifth thought but he will always be needed so to put it into those terms is uh that's a little bit odd and it just kind of bounces back to me thinking nothing is a shopping cart is is what he really saying is is um does he need to be the top dog what are his needs uh i think for the fan base and for the team he will be he will be needed for many many years to come because he is so good i I'm, I'm certain he's he'd be in that top 15 uh and you know, I used the word confused a few minutes ago, and I, I, I think he I, I don't really know what what he thinks he wants. And I think he's trying to look ahead two or three or four years and predict, which is always difficult to do. Um, and he has to you know, he has to come to terms with uh, with not necessarily being the best player on the team. You know he'll he'll be going back and forth. Uh, you know some some games he'll be the best. Some some games uh, Tatum will be the best. Some games somebody else will be uh, will be the best. So uh, you know I wish that he didn't feel that he had to command the whole show, because commanding the whole show once once he does that, unless he has a really good um, win man right behind him, such as Jason Tatum, he's not gonna he's not gonna win a championship. You know, you don't win a championship in the NBA with, you know, one 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 stud and then a bunch of people that you can tower over on your team, but they aren't going to deliver what you need. I, you know, I think it's a great situation now, the two of them, are, you know, growing older together and learning to play with each other better. And they've got a great supporting cast. And, uh, you know, I, I don't like hearing him uh question question the future but but i will give him points and you did too for for being honest and uh you know better better that than to be than to be blindsided i mean i've already got my guard up uh you know what's he you know what's he going to do over the next couple of years and you know that that toxic fan base at times is not going to go away and It seems like only three or four years ago. I don't remember what the words were. I think it was at Fenway, though. I've forgotten that too. But somebody had that huge banner out there, and you know, every every black athlete, not only in Boston, but probably in the MLB and NFL and NBA, are you know, they're aware of that. And and this is this isn't new for the city. And as the city I grew up in, it's a you know, it's a never never ending. Uh, aspect of, of, shame for me because, you know, I, I, didn't become aware of that. I mean, I was very aware of politics and grew up in the civil rights era er, era. And it wasn't until the 1970s with the Boston busing crisis that I realized there's, there's a problem here. That's much bigger than people in various areas of Boston, not wanting their kids bused elsewhere. So, yeah, this, this, has been, this has been a long, long time coming, and he's not the first black athlete who has, you know, been made justifiably uncomfortable
0: by it. Yeah, and what was it a couple of years ago? I think it was Marcus Smart. Um, he had an article or he had come out and said something where, you know, he had, you know, a Celtic fan, uh, you know, call him the N-word when he was leaving the arena after a game. And I think, you know, I don't want to obviously get, you know, go down this rabbit hole, but I think, you know, the, the individual who said it had like a kid with them. So it's like something where, you know, there's someone who, you know, is either raising a kid or, you know, you know, is obviously the guardian of a kid who's, you know, who's pretty young going around and, you know, treating someone that, you know, and not, and I'm not just saying that just because, you know, these guys are world-class athletes or whatever that, you know, they should get a special treatment or whatever. But, um, you know, I just think as a whole, you know, the, the city has to be better. And I think if Jalen were to leave, I think that would be probably the, the biggest motivation behind it. Because there's not too many other places where he can go where the situation is going to be better. Uh, I mean, I know he's from Atlanta, and but I don't think he's a guy who, like – is dying to go play at home like LeBron was when LeBron left Miami. Like LeBron went back to to Cleveland because he, you know, he had a mission that, you know, he wanted, you know, that he sought out to finish. I don't think Jalen is is someone who's going to, you know, go running to Atlanta because that's his home and he has to play for his hometown. I think winning is very important to him. But we also know Jalen has, you know, a really big platform, and he he's a deep thinker and he's and he's he's a smart guy. I mean, the guy he went to Cal and for those of you that don't know, which, I mean, they don't just let anybody into Cal Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, his first two years in the league. I know he took business classes at Harvard for, you know, just because, and, you know, he wanted to continue educating himself. Um, Mm -hmm. He's amongst one of, you know, the higher ranks in the players association. And um, so overall, he's just an intelligent guy and he's someone that wants to bring change to, to the city. Um, But, and, you know, he did catch a lot of flack this year. Um, whether it was standing up and supporting Kyrie during his suspension for posting the anti-Semitic film or whether he didn't, you know, drop his affiliation with Kanye West soon enough with everything that Kanye West, you know, was going through or is continuing to go through. So he has caught a lot of flack for, you know, this year for, you know, using his platform or, um, you know, maybe not always saying the right things. But I do think that that's very important for him. Uh, but I also think for the Celtics, what they have working in their favor, potentially, and maybe I'm, I'm wrong here, but, you know, he does have a lot of time, a lot of money, and he's got a lot invested into not just the city of Boston, but different parties and, you know, different areas of, you know, politics or whatnot and into in his community. And I think someone who is comfortable in their situation, I don't think someone would be doing you know, putting as much effort into that, mm-hmm. um, and and another way that maybe I'm just looking at it to you know to to help myself you know feel better about him potentially staying <laughs> is I don't know if he would be comfortable coming out and saying stuff like this if he was leaving, knowing the backlash that he'd get if he left and then you know returned. Yeah. So and again, maybe that's just me trying to be positive. I don't know, but uh, I think more so the off the court stuff, and I think the way that the organization. Uh, treats him I think will be more so the driving force than you know the the situation or being you know the number one guy on a team because right now I believe he's probably somewhere in the top 10 in shot attempts per game and he's averaging 27 points per game so you know you know would he probably like to have more shots at the end of games yeah and I don't blame him for that I think there's games especially since the all-star break when he's been the team's best player I think there's been times where he should have opportunities, late in games to to take big shots. Um, so that's just sort of where where I look at you know his potential, you know the potential move for him.
1: Yeah, and I was relieved. Uh, now I can't remember what Brogdon's big initiative is. It has something to do with uh, criminal justice though I think. and uh, and, and Jalen's come on board with him on that if I, if I have it right. So this is Brogdon's initiative. But Jalen wants a part of it, which I think is, you know, a very positive thing, another way of uh, you know, while you're maybe uncomfortable in some regards with the city and, and possibly the team, uh, you know, that's another thing that he's that that he's committing to. I mean, he could commit to any kind of social action they felt appropriate in just about any place he went, but the fact that he's, you know, amidst Amidst that statement that he made, and as a follow-up to the summer uh, unease he had, I, I, I was really he was really relieved and pleased to see that he wanted to join up with Brogdon, just make another commitment to the city.
0: Well, I don't know if you remember this, but in the summer of 2020, before the bubble, I think when um, you know a lot of the protesting was going on for you know the police brutality. Malcolm Brogdon and Jalen Brown are both from Atlanta and I think they both got together. And at the time Brogdon was playing for the Indiana Pacers and, you know, obviously Jalen was with the Celtics, but I think they both um, drove an excess of like 12 or 13 hours back to Atlanta and both led like and took charge in having um, a peaceful protest for um, police brutality or whatnot. So they've both been, um, you know, they kind of built a bond then. I think they both sort of said it's cool how now they've, you know, their teammates now and they're still able to sort of collaborate together and work together um, for, you know, to, to kind of try and help out the community and, you know, make a change um, yeah. in the city. Yeah. But so with that all being said, you know, how can the Celtics realistically keep him? And, you know, for those of you, I'm sure you know that, you know, there's three all NBA teams this year you know, like there are every year. But last year, Tatum made first-team All-NBA. He's probably going to be a first-team All-NBA player this year, uh, second-team at worst. If Jalen Brown makes one of the three All-NBA teams, which I'm very confident that he will, yep. uh, the the voting process is, you know, very murky and not very, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know the exact word used for it, but um, – you know, I guess what I'm trying to get at is in 2020 and 2021, Jason Tatum did not make the all, any of the All-NBA teams. And you can't tell me that year that he wasn't one of the 15 best players. But what happened was he had more votes as a guard than Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie Irving ended up making the All-NBA team. But Jason Tatum had less votes as a forward than other forwards, so his vote total you know, at certain positions weren't tallied properly, but like he's never played guard before. So voting him as a guard doesn't fully make any sense at all. So he didn't make it. Now, as that replies to Jalen, Jalen has played close to 60% of his games this year as a forward. For the all-star game, he was, he was on the ballot as a guard. So if Jalen is voted on as a forward, I'm almost 99% confident that he's going to make the team easily. If it's as a guard, it's going to be tougher, but with Damian Lillard missing a lot of games early in the year. And then of course being shut down now because the trailblazers have fallen out of it with everything John Morant went through. um, I would say Luca, but I I still think Luca is going to end up on one of the teams given that they've, completely collapsed down the stretch here i think it is tougher for jalen to make it onto the list or one of the teams then but i still think he would find a way but it's just easier for him to make it as a forward than it is as a guard yeah unfortunately i have no clue which one he's going to be you know categorized at but the significance in all that is if jalen brown makes one of the all nba teams He's eligible to receive a supermax contract extension that would pay him. I think it was four years, two hundred and eighty-seven million dollars, which is probably an average annual value of over fifty million a year, wow. and that's only going to increase. The significance behind that is no player in the league who's ever been eligible for that has ever turned that down. Uh, so if Jalen Brown were to be eligible for that and if the Celtics were willing to offer him that which i believe they would be and mm-hmm. he were to turn that down then that's basic he's basically telling you everything that you need to know about his future and at that point i think the Celtics would have to trade him yep that being said that is the most money he would be able to make on the open market and he would probably lose out on 60 to 100 million dollars on that on that contract. So I think that is going, you know, I think that contract alone and the situation being as good as it is would be very tough for Jalen to turn down. Um, And again, I think it's very likely that he makes one of these teams. Uh uh, And if he does and he takes the contract and the, and the Celtics do offer him that, then, you know, this whole conversation is, is going to be meaningless. But I think that is, it's one way for them to retain him. But I I also think like that is the way that you retain him because I don't know if the Celtics are even going to have an opportunity to retain him, given they may have to trade him if, you know, they don't get an extension done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, um, You know, who, need, who needs that much money? Um, but it seems like every one of them does. So it would really come down to how uncomfortable he is on the team, how uncomfortable he is in the city and in the region uh, because I don't I can't remember the last time uh, uh, you know one of the higher paid athletes of the many dozens of them there are in all the professional sports have turned down uh, you know some mega offer. They'll always find some some way inwardly to you know justify saying yes you know I, I want all that money even though I have no idea what I'm going to do with it I want all that money which also you know might just be a an, an ego thing but yeah if if, if that offer if, if he um if he's in a position if the Celtics are in a position to give it to make that offer and they do then that would be. That would be a real clear indicator of that what he was saying in early 2023 was really worth paying attention to because he meant what he said. No hard feelings, Boston, but, you know, I meant what I said. And, you know, there are just other places I want to go, other ways I want to play, other teams I might be more comfortable on, and, you know, I just don't need that money. Yeah. And then, you know, if uh, Boston does not offer it, if they decide to – play hardball with them and we riot or the yeah the celtics then um we riot then there's going to be a huge outrage from the fan base As Which, there should be. You know, yeah i mean the red sox have experienced that and you know letting some of uh letting the uh mookies and the xanders just kind of you know run off into the sunset and they've really threatened their fan base too but uh you know celtics ought to be, beware if they if if, if they come up uh, tight-fisted with them.
0: So two things, and then we'll move on, I promise, because I'm sure people have either heard about this or they're sick and tired of hearing all this negativity. For Overall, it's been a, a great year. Um, the implications of Jalen Brown making the All-NBA team. So as I said, with the All-NBA team, he's eligible for $287 million. Without it, he's only eligible for – and I say only like loosely – but he's only (laughs) eligible to make $165 million. You're killing me, you're killing me. And, and I'm, but I'm sorry, but I don't think writers, I don't think people like, I don't think, I don't think it's right that players can earn that much money or lose that much money based on somebody else's opinion of them. Like, I just, I don't agree with that. and, I don't know about the new CBA, which by the way, for the new CBA, I just talked about the voting process or like the positions, because as the all NBA teams are now, like you have to fill the two guard positions, the two forward positions, and then center. So like last year when Jokic and Embiid both should have been first team all NBA, you know, you had to slide Embiid to second team because you had to fill out every position. Now it's just positionless. So moving forward, it's gonna be the 15 best players make it, and that's it. Um So that's the first thing is I don't I don't agree with the whole process that a writer that really probably doesn't follow the Celtics that much can just dictate whether or not a player, you know, earns this big payday or misses out on this much money. I also think it's ridiculous that the Celtics don't have an opportunity and the Warriors are going through a similar thing or went through a similar thing. You should be able to go as deep into the luxury tax as you want if you're retaining a player that you drafted and held on to and developed for as long as you have. Like, I think it's ridiculous that you have just like a bar or a cap on how much money you can spend to retain your guy. Like that to me doesn't seem right. So that's number one. Number two, I believe a year or two after Jalen Brown's contract extension potential, Jason Tatum is going to be eligible to make one. That's going to be, million. So the Celtics will have someone on their team with a $300 million contract and $287 million contract potentially. Um, And that, of course, by ESPN and talking heads got twisted as a bad thing that the Celtics have would potentially have two all-NBA players on their team. So a little tidbit on that. (laughs) Yes. So sort of switching gears a little bit, we'll get more positive. The Celtics and Bucks played the other night. The championship favorite, Milwaukee Bucks, the the Bucks that are going to steamroll through everybody in the Eastern Conference, the team that nobody has a chance against. They have the best player in the world. Um, they lost by forty one points. And Chris Middleton played this time, so I think the game counts. Because um, <laughs> as we know, Christmas Day didn't count because Middleton didn't play, and I think the seven game series last year didn't count either because Chris Middleton didn't play any of those games. Um, I've gone back and forth this whole season about whether or not I'm concerned about the Bucks, and really going into the year you know nobody in the West really worried me obviously Golden State but I think the clock's kind of running out on Golden State um, yeah. for me I don't know if I'm worried about the Bucs um, Boston has made Offense look very easily against them. And that's a team that is one of the top three or four defensive teams in basketball. Uh, Giannis is a great defender. Drew Holiday is an excellent defender. And Brooke Lopez might win defensive player of the year. Mm -hmm. And when they were fully healthy on Christmas, they put up 139 points. Boston took their, probably their B team and a lot of guys that don't usually play, they took them to Milwaukee on Valentine's Day, and the Bucs needed overtime, you know, to beat the Celtics. And that was a game that the Celtics arguably should have won. Yeah. And they scored close to 120, and there was no Tatum. I don't believe Brown played in that game. And then the other night they score 140. Tatum and Brown combined for 70, and they only played three quarters. So I know the regular season doesn't mean – a lot in the nba but that's not nothing in my opinion and i think what people in the national media have to get around on is like the bucks have a very old roster like Giannis is still good he's probably in my opinion still the best player in the league drew holiday is still very good those two guys are young but middleton's been through a lot of injuries the past couple years he doesn't look like the same player jay crowder I mean, the Celtics had no problems going at Jay Crowder all night the other night in the game. And I don't know if he's someone that can play in a series against the Celtics just given he's lost a step. Um, But you're talking about, you know, Chris Middleton, Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen as guys that are – and Joe Ingles, who's coming back from an ACL surgery. He's another guy who's aging. But those are the four guys that you have to guard Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and it's like those guys just – they didn't seem phased i mean and and milwaukee fans will always talk about how the celtics abnormally just shoot a ridiculously high percentage against them every single time that they play at some point the numbers like it like they are what they are and it, you know if i'm playing the team going back to last year in the playoffs and every game that team won They shot a high percentage, and now we're three games in, and they still shoot a high percentage. I think that's a decent sample size that tells me that this team has no problem running offense or getting good looks. And, you know, he did have 24 points the other night. I think it came on, like, 27 shots. I think he was, like, 11 for 27. But they seemingly – and I'm going to, you know, knock on wood here. They've seemingly found a way to hold Giannis at bay. and. They're the one team I think that is built to stop him because they're very versatile on defense. They have a lot of guys that can switch on to him. Like they started the game with Marcus Smart guarding him and like nobody mentioned anything about that. Um, and obviously in a playoff series, you know, Al Horford will have his fair shot at Giannis. But I think with the looks that the Celtics are able to generate against the Bucs, their defense was unbelievable the other night and it forced Milwaukee into a lot of contested shots in the second quarter. And I just think with Al Horford out there on the floor and his ability to knock down the three ball, he's shooting probably a career high from three this year. Yes. Like it pulls Brooke Lopez out of the paint because Brooke Lopez now has to guard him. And you're looking at a bunch of space for the Celtic players like Tatum, like Brown, Derek White, when he wants to go downhill. And I just think overall the Celtic roster is deeper and it's more talented. Um, I don't know if I'm scared of the Bucks. Obviously, a seven-game series is going to be very different. It's going to be very competitive. Um, but the Bucks don't really—I don't feel the same way about the Bucks that I did coming into the season, or even as I did going into the other night.
1: Yeah, and I'm—I'm I'm, I'm not afraid of. Uh, based on last week, I'm not afraid of having to play a game seven. In Milwaukee, I don't think that uh, that nope. that that had any. Well, I mean, obviously, it had no home court advantage meant nothing, and there right. there was some talk, and part of it's justified that Milwaukee had played the night before, but you know that had not been a difficult game for them. And a few days later, the Celtics had a back to back, and they managed to show up for that second game. So, and they in the way they. The way they challenged Milwaukee um, throughout, and, and particularly particularly when when they were on defense, uh, that that was completely lacking in that previous debacle of a game against against Washington, where they didn't care, you know. Washington just ran ragged, just came right down the lane, uh, you know, just ran at will. And I was I was very afraid going into Milwaukee that which team is going to show up, right. um, you know. There are too, there's a real. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde aspect to the uh, to the Celtics that is that is worrisome, but um, you know during the year it's been the lower ranking teams that they haven't shown up for, and once the playoffs begin, you know those lower ranking teams aren't going to be in sight anymore. So it'll just be the ones that matter, and the Celtics seem to show that they they can show up when it matters, and uh, you know maybe maybe they just save themselves for when it matters, but until just the last couple of days, and talking to you before we started here, um, yeah, I no longer I no longer lust after that number one seed. I can see all the reasons now to just rest people, get as healthy as you can going into the playoffs, and then and then and then rock it. You know where everybody where everybody's as healthy as can be, and they're they're really deep, and yep. they just kind of keep running. You know, talented, very very talented. People who are not old and uh, you know who still really care and they just they just switch them in and out and it's a you know at its best it's a beautiful thing to see.
0: Mm-hmm. So. I I almost feel like and I don't you know I want to preface this that I don't watch a lot of you know Milwaukee Bucks basketball if, if ever um, I watched last night against the 76ers, and obviously Philadelphia did Boston no favors, um, but I almost feel like this is this might be it for for the Bucks, like if like this is the year to get it done if they're going to do it again and obviously as long as they have Giannis they're always going to be competitive they're always going to be a team that you know you're never going to try and bet against and they're always going to be in the conversation but Middleton's going to be a free agent after this season um, he has a player option I believe for like 40 million you wonder if he takes it or if he looks to go you know to another situation I can't see after the way he's played the last couple of years that he's going to hit the open market but um you know, at this point with the new cba and you know teams being able to spend more money and stuff you know who knows um, you know joe ingles is another guy like i mentioned he's going to be another year older jay crowder the same thing and just a lot of guys on their team that um you know are either going to potentially move on to other opportunities or guys that they're just not going to be able to pay because of you know, different tax paying issues that they're going to have. And at some point the Celtics will have those issues too, but for Boston they have everybody coming back for the next year or two at least, um, which is obviously everything is ticking up in their favor. So I really felt like last year and this year are the two years that they have to get it done. And I don't know if, you know, if they're going to be able to get it done this year. So, you know, we talked about the the box, the seating right now, they're the two seed, the Celtics are with a win tomorrow night in Philadelphia. They will clinch the two seed. And then I think you can start resting guys. And, you know, I'm comfortable with them being the two seed. Uh, there were times this year where I thought they needed to go for the one seed. And I thought it would make their path a lot easier. Um, and I don't, like you said, I don't worry about road games in Milwaukee um, or road games in general. This team was better on the road last year than they were at home. Uh, and at the end of the day, you have to be able to win games on the road if you're going to win a championship. I think outside of the 08 team and i'm sure they won road games too but outside of the 08 team like i don't think there's ever been a team that has just won every home game and got into the fight and won a championship um it's actually an interesting stat i don't know if that's ever happened or not um so right now i think the highest percent chance that they'd have of facing in the first round is miami so um That actually doesn't concern me as much. Um, I don't think it's an ideal first round matchup, but I think that matchup is a lot easier than, than Brooklyn was last year. Like Brooklyn, you had, you know, you had Kevin Durant, you had Kyrie Irving, you had two of these world-class players that you had to worry about Miami. I get, you know, like the Spolstra factor, which would be a factor, especially against Joe Mazzula, who is a first time, you know, a first year head coach. Um, jimmy butler in the playoffs has been ridiculous in years past including last year against the celtics that's a tough team defensively that's a team that really is going to try and muck things up and they're a team that i think for five or six games would like just beat the shit out of you and try to tire you down and you don't really want that in the first round but watching miami play they couldn't really score last year in the half court and i know when we talked preseason stuff that was something that we both agreed on when it came to Miami, that offense has been a lot worse than I thought. And Kyle Lowry, I was kind of banking on him coming back and being a player for for them. He has not been good. He's been hurt a lot of the time. Um, You know, Bam out of bio has been good, but I don't know if he's a guy that can take over a series. So it's not an ideal first round. I think I'd rather see a team like Atlanta, who I think they would just wipe the floor with. um, Definitely. Everything Atlanta has going on right now. But I think Miami, they could still get it done in five or six games, and then you move on to Philadelphia where, you know, you got to pick your poison between Philadelphia or Cleveland. And I think Cleveland matches up way better with Boston than Philadelphia does. And I also think Cleveland has a better chance of knocking off Milwaukee or giving Milwaukee a tougher series than, uh, than Philadelphia does. Yeah, I agree. I agree.
1: And I, I don't worry about Miami except for, except for Jimmy Butler. Uh, you know he has to be has to be human Uh, you know if he starts being superhuman i'll get worried and there were uh you know he's uh he's a he's a he's a force to be reckoned with when uh i love him when his back is against the wall yeah yeah he's uh he's he's tough to, tough 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 to not admire but and and i uh, I agree with what you just said about cleveland too
0: that uh that game six performance he had last year in the Eastern Conference Finals, my uh, my mom and I had the privilege of being there to see that. <laughs> it was really, that's, I mean, that's probably that's gonna probably be the best game that he'll that'll be like the game that goes down like and hit for his career. I mean, he was ridiculous. He yeah. he just when the game was on the line, like he wouldn't miss, and you know that he will probably steal one or two games. Um, yeah. the thing with him though is it's weird while we sit here and we rave about him potentially stealing a series from the Celtics or pushing the Celtics to the brink he also has the ability to go out there and just like lay an egg and not be great because people forget yeah. it and I know the 2020 2021 season after the bubble I, I understand it was weird and it was just like it was super random but Bryn Forbes who was a bench player for the Bucks, who I'm not sure many people know who are listening to this Bryn Forbes outscored Jimmy Butler in the first round. I think Bryn Forbes scored like fifty-nine points for the series and Jimmy Butler had like forty-seven. He was, was off. That? I
1: didn't
0: know and, that. Yeah, no, he was he was terrible. And and the Bucks swept the uh they swept the heat. And that was the year that Brooklyn had Harden and, and Kyrie and all those guys, and they lost in seven. But then and people forget too, like for as good as he was last year in the playoffs against the Celtics, like People forget game three, he just left in the second half and never came back. Game four and five, he was terrible. And Ime Udoka even admitted last year that, like, they just played him like someone who wasn't going to shoot, and they just put a big on him because he just stopped playing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So, like, people forget that he is capable, while he is capable of showing up and stealing games for your team and, you know, being a pain in the ass, he is very (laughs) capable of also turning around and just being non-existent. So, you know, we'll have to – you know, we'll have to stay tuned for that. (laughs) So for tomorrow night, as I mentioned, Celtics and Sixers in Philadelphia, Boston has already won the series 3-0. Cause at this point it seems like whoever the Celtics roll out there against Philadelphia, just roll the ball out and, you know, Philadelphia will somehow, uh, you know, lose the game or, you know, Boston will end up winning. So that's sort of, you know, the the vibe that this thing has been going on for lately. Uh, Robert Williams is out uh, tomorrow night. And Al Horford is going to play the first half of back-to-back. I think that's what they're trying to do. And then Jalen Brown was questionable. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play or not. Let's we'll see. Uh, but I think for all intents and purposes, the Celtics have probably locked in to the two seed. Um, and like I said, that will either land them the Miami Heat or the Atlanta Hawks, which, you know, neither team is really going to keep me up at night. Um, so with all that being said, um, the, you know, the playoffs are here. The season went by and, you know, the blink of an eye. So it's been it really been was. Season. already surpassed the win total from last year. So, yep. uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where the playoffs take them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just one more thing that, that, that I have here. I have mentioned that I'm going to, I just want to bring this up, seeing that um, Grant Williams is one of 12 finalists for the Twyman Stokes Teammate of the Year Award, and, and that oh, yeah. goes back to, you know, the Cincinnati Royal Days, which were the predecessor of my other team, the Sacramento Kings, but nevertheless, yeah, Jack Twyman and Marie Stokes. The annual honor goes to the player who best exemplifies selfless play, leadership, and commitment to the team. Do you think that Grant Williams was is the best exemplifier on the Celtics?
0: Uh, I'm for- the wrong guy to ask Grant Williams questions because I am admittedly uh, the leader of the Grant Williams hate club. I can't fucking stand the guy. <laughs> he Between the two months where he, he had a jersey on, uh, he was out there on the court. He had a Celtic jersey on. I'm not sure what he was doing for him. <laughs> Between that and between where he could pull out a gun and shoot somebody in the chest two times, he would still find something to complain about. Um, so I'm not exactly a Grant Williams fan. Uh, you know, you know who should get that award? Derek White. Yes. Yep. Derek White has been unbelievable this season. Um, He's been statistically their third best player. Uh, he needs to be playing in the closing minutes of games and mm-hmm. – I mean, he's been unbelievable. And just, you know, from where he was at this point last year where, I mean, he would, you know, he'd attempt a shot and it was like, you had no confidence that it would go in to where he is now. I mean, he's just been, he's been unbelievable. He's been great. Um, As for Grant, I mean, he's got this next month and a half, two months are going to be huge for him to roll over into the summer as he is a restricted free agent. Yeah. I've been very adamant and very vocal. I don't think he's a guy who should make $20 million. Uh, If he does, um, he should take it and he should go play for the Pistons. Um, I think he's very limited and I think his ceiling, he's pretty much reached his ceiling. Um, That being said, I do understand the value that he brings to this team. He is, he is a solid defender. His isolation defense has been terrible this year. And I think the numbers would prove that, but When you get into a series with an Embiid or with a Giannis, he's a valuable – or a Bam Adebayo even, he's a valuable guy to have. Uh, His shot-making ability when he's knocking down shots is huge, and I just think the threat that he is on the court, um, you know, I think it plays a part. But, again, he has to be engaged and he has to be, you know, clicking and doing all the right things in order for, you know, for him to really have his value. And we saw last year in the first round – especially, and then a little bit in the second round that he was really good. But, you know, the tail end of the Eastern Conference Finals, and, you know, you can say the finals, but nobody really played well in the finals last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you saw him just sort of disappear. And I think if they want to get to where they want to go, I think he has to be, you know, the Grant Williams we're getting right now. Um, will he be? I have no friggin' clue because he's been so up and down this year. But, uh, no, I think if anyone gets that award, I think it should be Derek White. And, uh, you know, yeah, that, that was
1: my first thought, too. And then and then Brogdon after Brogdon, that. Yeah. And I really didn't see. Uh, I mean, I wasn't even really aware of that that award until I saw this the other day. And I thought, boy, what am I missing here? But I seem to remember you uh, not being a big fan of his. So I, I have to admit, I set you up there like throwing raw meat at a hungry dog or something. <laughs> you bad. pounced on that really well, Matt. So that was, that was very rewarding to me. But, yeah, right. you know, you're quite those. Uh, those uh the, the the things that make the award selfless play leadership and commitment to the team man i can't think of anybody who's even in even in his league he's a he's been above and beyond and you know he kind of disappeared a little bit at the end of the playoffs last year but he managed to uh you know come come through the summer and come back to the team uh uh you know with newfound um i don't know newfound enthusiasm and and, and commitment and ability. And I guess there was a kid born along the way, wasn't there maybe in the yeah game years?
0: two of the conference finals. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that would, that maybe explain why he disappeared a little bit, but um, yeah. I Literally just,
0: figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, speaking of, you know, we talked about the all NBA teams and, you know, just super quick, but I think he has this shot to make one of the all defensive teams. I mean, he's, and that's the funny thing when you talk about the Celtics, is it's like, you know, well, who in the starting five are you gonna go at? Well, you're not really gonna go at Marcus Smart because Marcus Smart was a defensive player of the year last year, and I mean he's a great defender, so you're not a guy that you're exactly looking to pick on. Uh, Tatum and Brown are great defenders as well. Al Horford, you know, you can switch smaller guards or wing players onto him, but Al moves his feet very well and he defends very well for his size and his age, so it's not exactly the mismatch you think it is. And then I think Derek White is the one guy that teams think they can go at, and I he has, like, 57 blocks this year as yeah. a guard, and he's just everywhere, and he, he's a winning player. I think their record, they're, like, 40 games over 500 since they've gotten him when he plays, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing, too. He plays every game. Like, I don't think there's been a game where he's been out except for when he had, like, you know, a freaking hole in his ear or his eardrum, like, exploded, so, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's he just the guy who plays. So, and, you know, I don't think last year he really struggled, but I don't think it can be easy going from one organization where they were just actively tanking and losing games and moving to another organization in another city. Um, And obviously like, you know, as we mentioned, he had a, you know, his, he had his first child, uh, you know, last year in the playoffs. So I don't think any of that made it like a super easy transition Uh, he was trying to learn things on the fly, trying to find his, you know, his, uh, you know, where he belonged or where he fit in best and, you know, he struggled, but this year, I mean, he's been, he's been unbelievable. It's probably been a career year for him. Yes. And, uh, you know, they've needed it and, you know, he's been, he's been unbelievable. So, uh, shout out to Derek white, uh, and yep. not grant not grant williams
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no, not yet
0: <laughs> yeah no there's i swear there'll be a game in the playoffs where grant Williams just goes off like game seven last year and uh i'm gonna have to you know i'm gonna have to go on here and i'm gonna have to own up to it but uh <laughs> I'm gonna work. I'm <laughs> I'm going to find something. I'm going to find something to complain about. So I got to keep it consistent. <laughs>
1: and you're usually such a incredibly positive person too, with a huge dose of reality behind you, but you're,
0: uh, I try to be. your,
1: your positivity is pretty, pretty uh, commendable.
0: I try to be, try to always be positive. I don't think people want to tune into us complaining, you know, 24 seven, but Hey, they haven't given us anything to complain about yet. So, you know, no, no. I think got, it's got a up.
1: road trip down there planned. <sighs>
0: You know, I don't know if I'm going. The last time I went was the Brooklyn game where they were up 28 and they decided just to not play. So that was, it was a good time, but it was just I, I had a friend with me, so I couldn't react the way that I normally probably would have. So I had to keep it in check that night. Um, that was also the famous night that John Morant waved a gun in the, uh, you know, the club that he was in. So that's cool. Um, oh,
1: the same Night, okay. Yeah. It was a bad and, full moon uh, that night.
0: Yeah. There's something that's a that nice curse, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe the last game of the year Sunday on Easter against the, uh, the Hawks maybe, but I'm not sure yet. Well, uh, we'll you know, I,
1: I hope you go because I, I, I live through, I live through your trips down there really vicariously there. They might be more important to me than they are to you just because <laughs> I, I never, I never get there. I haven't gotten there in about 47 years or something like that or, been a long, 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 long time, 57, 67, possibly. I don't know. Well,
0: that's so, yeah,
1: go, go.
0: And then playoffs. I'm definitely going to try and make it to the playoffs. I mean, yeah. I got to go at least once or twice. Uh, so, you know, I'm yeah. mor- if they make it to the finals, I'll, you know, I'll mortgage my parents home for some tickets and, you know, we'll <laughs> go from there. So.
1: <laughs> I won't tell them.
0: Yeah. no, <laughs> I don't think they'll mind. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on?
1: No, I no, I don't think so. I'm I'm just uh just psyched psyched for tomorrow night's game, and I've uh you know I think uh I think it's going to be a good evening, and and, right. and that's you know that that's about it.
0: Um, All right, yeah. a win, and uh, the Celtics are the two seeds. So yep, let's wrap it up. Let's let's make this easier than it needs to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: And we we made it through. We made it through a broadcast without Spectrum uh, communications getting in the way. Yeah. Or not getting in the way.
0: Yeah, thankfully. Yeah, that was good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that is going to do it for the episode. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in. We're finally able to get one done. Um, Been super busy. uh, And, you know, that along with Uh, you know, my Wi-Fi cutting in and out, making things tricky, Uh, but we were able to get one done and the Celtics tomorrow night will be in Philadelphia looking to pick up their fourth win of the year against the 76ers and clinch that number two spot in the Eastern conference and, you know, have some time to get guys some rest before what is hopefully a long playoff run that ends with uh, a banner. Shout out to Steve for making some time to sit down and record um, and as always, like I said in the beginning, thank you guys for listening. Uh, rate, review, you know subscribe if you can And uh, until next time, let's go Celtics.